discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Alright, so question answers. If there's any question in your heart concerning all that we are doing, all that we are learning, you have liberty to ask. And one side for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Alright. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Great, great. Please, I want to ask, why don't we have um, tithe cards in this church? Why don't we have tithe, tithe cards? Yes. Wow. Um, when you look at the scriptures, you realize that Fight was between the man and God. It had nothing to do with another man. What has happened with fight cards in time past in various churches was that some people are able to determine how much your pay is and they start attacking you. They start like every need. You'll be there, someone will just call you, I have this need because you know that your fight at the end of every month is 1,000 cities. That means that your 100% is how much? It's 10,000. So they feel you have enough to spare. So a lot of people will just be at your doorstep. That is why we don't have that. It's strictly between God and the man. Because, I mean, if you read in the scriptures, the Bible doesn't mention how. The Bible says, bring your fight to the, to the storehouse. He never said, let there be fight cards so that we may keep records. The Bible says there in heaven he receives it. So it is between you and God. Let me show you some scriptures. Okay. Malachi chapter 3. Let's read from verse 8. Malachi chapter 3 from verse 8. It's between you and God. If you won't give, it's up to you. You are the one who have trouble. We'll be fine. Whether with your fight or not. But we advise. In fact, I'm supposed to have talked about fight a long time ago, isn't it? I'm surprised I've still not spoken about it. Okay. So let's read this. It says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed you? Then God answers, in tithes and offerings. Next verse, verse 9. Ye are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Verse 10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. The storehouse is actually the church. The word storehouse is Thesaurus. And it's actually the temple. Okay? That there may be meat in mine house and prove me now. He says, You prove me now. Hear it, say the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Next verse. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field. See the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, said the Lord of hosts. All because you gave your fight. Okay? All because you gave your fight. So if you look into this, if you look at these verses, you realize that there's no mention of 
um, giving it with a card recording on earth that you are giving, truly giving your thanks. I mean, what do we stand to gain by doing that? Do you understand? In some places, they use that as a means of tracking the, the what? Your membership, for some, it is for describing your membership status. Because if your tax coming to this church, that means that you are really a member of this church. For others, it is to um, check your, your spiritual growth. Yes. And it's a good thing to actually use that as a means of checking spiritual growth. Because we'll check whether your finances are increasing as you increase on every other side. You understand? Aha. Uh-huh. But um, there's, there, there are no hard and fast bend, you know, rules related to it. But we have decided not to take record like that because there in heaven there's a record that is being taken that we don't need to take here on earth. Okay? Hebrews chapter, chapter, chapter 7, right? Hebrews chapter 7, let's read from verse, chapter 7, verse 8. Go up, go to verse 5. And verily, they that are of the sons of Levi, who receive the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law, that is, of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. Go up, go up. I think it would be good if you read from verse what? From verse 1. Let's read from verse 1. It would be great. Okay? For this milk is the king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. Abraham gave a fight. So Abraham was the first person recorded in history who gave a fight. Okay? That is why fight does not end with the law. Because fight didn't begin under the law. Fight began with Abraham. And we are the seed of... Are you the seed of Abraham? We are the seed of Abraham. So all those who are saying that tithe has ended, tithe, whatever, whatever. It is up to them. If you won't give it, it's up to you. People haven't given their tithe and they prosper. You can decide to be like that. It's not a problem at all. Hallelujah. Just that they've not ended well. And their children's children have not ended up well. So I don't know how you, whether that's how you want to go. I prefer going God's way. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. So there's the, he was describing the Melchizedek priesthood. Okay, There are two priesthoods in the Bible. The first is the priesthood of Melchizedek. And the second is the priesthood of Levi. Or the Aaronic priesthood. Hallelujah. Now priests are ordained to offer sacrifices and gifts on the behalf of men towards God. Aaron received fights from the children of Israel. He did. He received fights from the children of Israel. And it was instituted as a law under uh, the Aaronic priesthood as a means of becoming pleasing to God. Everybody needs to give a tenth of his, uh, um, his harvest. Okay? Hmm. Now, let's read. I think it would be great if you read. It says, To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. First being, by interpretation, king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. He's describing um, Melchizedek. Then he says, Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abided in a priest continually. What he's saying is that the Aaronic priesthood ended with the end of the law. But the Melchizedek priesthood never ends because Melchizedek's priesthood does not come from his father nor his mother. It does not come because he was born. It was by the divine uh, impartation of God. 
And Jesus' priesthood is after the Melchizedek priesthood, not after the Aaronic priesthood. Are you understanding? The Aaronic priesthood has a beginning and has an end. The Melchizedek priesthood has no beginning and has no end. Do you understand what I'm saying? So what he's saying is that everything that Melchizedek did, Christ is also doing. When Melchizedek met Abraham, he took a tenth of all that he had. And he gave him communion. He gave him bread and wine. And that's exactly what Christ also does. Christ also takes a tenth from us and administers bread and wine. Are you seeing it? That is why it is advisable to give your tithes on the very first Sunday of the month. So that you can, as you give your, your tenth, you are given bread and wine. As an order that is after the order of Melchizedek. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Next verse, verse, verse 4. Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. He gave the tenth of all that he had, all that he, he got from the war. And verily, they that are of the sons of Levi, who receive the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law, that is of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. Next verse. But he whose descent is not counted from them, receive tithes of Abraham. And bless him that had the promises. He's talking about Melchizedek. Melchizedek was not uh, Abraham's relative in any way. He says that even Aaron paid tithes because Aaron was in Abraham's loins when Abraham was giving the tithe to Melchizedek. I, I follow you, me. Okay, next verse. And without all contradiction, the less blessed of the better. Then he says, And here, men that die receive tithes. On earth, men that die receive tithes. But there, he receiveth them of whom it is witness that he liveth. So here on earth, as you are giving, we receive the tithe, isn't it? But it says that as we receive it, we are men who die. We will not be here forever. But there, he lives forever and he receives it as well. Does it make sense to you or it doesn't make sense to you? He receives the tenth from us. And as I may so say, Levi also, who receiveth tithes, paid tithes in Abraham. So even Aaron had to pay tithes. Because he did so through Abraham. As Abraham gave, he gave. So even though Aaron was described as one who receives tithes, he's actually trying to let you know that tithes are actually not for man. Tithes are for God himself. Because even the Aaron, Aaron who was receiving the thing now, gave some to a priest whose descent is not from man. Not in, not in terms of he was not born by man. That's what he's saying. He's talking about his priesthood. His priesthood does not heal from man. Aaron's priesthood hails from man because if you are born in Levi's house, you are automatically a priest. Okay? Uh-huh. But Melchizedek didn't have to be born into a priest's house. He was made a priest by God. Like Jesus was made a priest by God. Hmm? Hebrews chapter 5, verse... Let's read from verse 1. Okay, Hebrews chapter 5 from verse 1. I think it will be good from verse 1. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmities, describing high priesthood service. And by reason hereof, he ought also ask for the people also, so also for himself, to offer for sins. And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. Next verse. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. So Jesus did not make himself a high priest by himself. 
God conferred that high priestly ability on him. And his high priestly ability or his high priestly order is not after Aaron. It is after Melchizedek. Because Melchizedek's priesthood does not end. Aaron's priesthood ends. Aaron's priesthood is made from man. Melchizedek's priesthood is not made from man. Do you understand? That's the difference. And he says that Christ is after the order of Melchizedek. And his order does not end. So even up to date, he ever lived to receive tithes. If you like, don't pay it. He is the one taking record in heaven. When you get to heaven, he will give, he will do accounts. The books, the actual tithe card books are in heaven. It's not on earth. That's what he's saying, basically. So even if we decide not to take anything, it's in heaven, it's being taken. And one day he will ask you, why did you rob me? What did you use that money for? You were using it to buy biscuit and tampigo. That's what he's going to say to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it is say it is in your own interest. Some people have asked me questions concerning how come this ministry is so blessed. Yeah. You'd be surprised at how much we are able to give. You and I are able to give. Yeah. We are blessed. Money comes all over. Why? Because we believe in something called institutional fighting. Institutional fighting. The church is a being on its own. It's an organism on its own. Love economy is an institution on its own. So it must give fight. So the church gives fight every month. Every month, the fight you give and the offerings you give and the partnership you give is tithed. We take a tenth of everything and give it to another ministry. Partnership tithe goes. We don't use one, even one of it here. We don't use even 10 pesos of it in the church. We send everything to another ministry. Yes. That is why every month we can afford to go for it. And we can, we can know what we are using our money for. If you don't give tight, you realize that you don't know what you use your money for. You remember that, oh, you had thousand cities, but as to what you did with it, you can't remember. The devourer, and the Bible says the devourer, he rebuke the devourer for your sake. If you don't give your fight, the devourer is, is released on your behalf. Hmm? Malachi chapter 3, verse, verse 12, right now. Malachi 3, 12. Go to verse 11. He says, and now if you give your fight, he says, I rebuke. The first thing is that, okay, go to verse 10. Let's you from verse 10. There's more that we could say about fight. Sometimes we quote Malachi 3 and then Hebrews chapter 7 and it's finished. But there's more. There are plenty more that we could use. There's a whole big book on it that I can teach you out of. Bring you all the fights into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now. He says, prove me now. Here we see the Lord of hosts. This is the way to prove God. If I will not, first of all, open you the windows of heaven. There are windows in heaven directed on earth. He says, I will open the windows of heaven and I'll pour you out a blessing. This is not just a blessing. It's specific. A blessing. Not the blessing. A blessing. This blessing goes with this particular thing called tithing. Well, my, my niece called me, you know, and she called me recently that, oh, I, I, is everything okay? I said, oh, I'm fine. Then he said, oh, I, I was thinking you were sick. Then he said, ah, you cry, you've never fallen sick before. That's what she said. You have never fallen sick before. I said, yes, I will never fall sick in Jesus' name. There's a, there's a means of not falling sick, making sure you don't fall sick. By giving your tithe. If you don't give your tithe, all your money that you will get, you will use all for hospital bills. You will pay for drugs you're not supposed to pay for. 
you will get yourself involved in things you're not supposed to get yourself involved in. And before long, you realize that you have lost a lot of money. That is my insurance. He says, I'll pour out a blessing. I'll pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. <laughs> I have too many testimonies with respect to fighting. I have too many testimonies. That is the way we have increased over the years. When I was, in, when I was working with the government, I used to work with the government of this country. Okay? And our pay at that time was 500 and something Ghana cities. It was very, very small. And I, I wanted to have more than that 500 that was coming in. So I decided to fight up to the points that I want to have. I started giving a fight of 100 cities, which it means that I will be getting 1,000 cities. Before long, the pay had moved. That was when Singles Mine came. The following year, it moved to 1,000. 1,200. The take-home was 1,000. Yeah. I was calculating our fight, my wife and myself. What, I, I don't know what that was yesterday. I think just yesterday we were calculating our fight. And we realized that we give a certain amount. That ties that we give shows the money that comes in. We're like, hey, God really blesses us. And it, it, has, it has increased over the years because I don't joke with my fights. And I don't give my fight. I give my fight with faith. As I'm giving it, I put my... We, we don't just give... If we've not prayed over it, we'll not give it. We'll go, and, we'll go and pray over it in the office and then give it. We lay hands on it and put our faith to work. Father, as we are giving this fight, we invoke what you have said. Bless us so that there will not be room enough to receive it this month. This month, you, you, bet, you have to show up. Lord, show up. Give us more than we have now. Yeah. No hospital bills. Next verse. So we confess it, no hospital. And I rebuke, I rebuke the devourer for your sakes. The devourer is the one who. Let's read other versions. Maybe message will do. Let's read message of this. For my part, I will defend you against Marudes. You know who Marudes are? Let's read other versions. We don't understand. Maybe you can read a dictionary to understand. And I'll rebuke the devourer, insects and plagues for your sakes. Insects, the insects come to de- destroy the harvest. I rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Plagues, unnecessary expenses. All of a sudden, your phone's screen just bashes, pam, like that. And the, the cost of repairing is 800 Ghana cities. If you're having an iPhone, the cost of repairing on the screens is 800, or you don't know. And you just have to repair sharp. Or your laptop, just something happens to it. Your laptop is carried by a certain thief, free of charge. There are higher problems when you grow. As you grow up, you realize that there are higher problems. All of a sudden, your child's school fees increases. That is when you have parents complaining. Do you think I pull money out of my nose? Do you think I do money? Have you ever seen your parents complaining like that before? All of something just happens and it's like, yeah, you think the, the money is on the tree that you just pluck out of the tree? You say, oh, daddy, I just ask for money. <laughs> they remind you of 1995. When something happened and this money, all kinds of people talk. Uh, I don't want problems. I'll just give my tithe. It says, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes, insects and plagues for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine drop its fruits. Investments that never mature. Just when it's about to mature, something bad happens and you don't get what you were hoping to get. So it is in your own interest. Tell everybody it's in your own interest to give your tithes. Don't depend on the church to do tight cuts before you give it. You have to give it. Yeah. We may, we may make it special by calling out people who are going to give you a fight. So that when they are coming to give you a fight, we call you out. Come out with your fights. 
and come and let's pray over you. And then you, you give your thanks. I think we should do that. But some people may not be able to put their faith to work on their own for the fight. So we'll put our faith with you together so that you can, you can have your fruits. That's why some people complain. Hey, I've been giving my thanks. Not, you've not been giving it in faith. The Bible doesn't just, just say depart with your money. You must give, you must give it in faith. Do you understand? Uh-huh. And then you can see results. In Jesus' name. Have I answered you? There, he's receiving it. The Lord is, there's a record in heaven. Here, men receive it. But there, he ever liveth to receive it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Your hand is up. Great. Thank you, Pastor. Please, I want to ask about taking in communion. Yeah. Why I used to go to church, they say that um, if you've sinned against God or if you have not been baptized with water and then the right hand fellowship has not been extended to you by your pastor, you are not able to take in communion. Wow. But over here... Free, it's like it's... <laughs> everybody is able to say communion. So the sometimes, whole church, everybody is just eating the communion. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so sometimes I, I become scared when I'm eating it because like, you can't die from it and all that. Wow. It's, it's a very powerful question. God bless you for that question, okay? Praise the Lord. And the first question I'll ask is uh, concerning the disciples and their case when they partook of the communion the very first time. You know, the very first time that Jesus administered the communion. Matthew chapter 26. Let's read from verse, verse 26. Matthew 26, 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Had the disciples been baptized? Had they been baptized? Now there are different kinds of baptisms. I'll talk about it on Sunday. But the disciples have certainly not been baptized. And first of all, they were not born again, first of all. They are not giving their lives to Christ, first of all. Secondly, they had not been baptized. Thirdly, they were not correct because that same night they betrayed Jesus. All of them, after taking the communion, the result of the communion was that they all betrayed the Lord. One guy ran away naked. He had just come out of the bathroom. There was a towel around him. When he came, Judas had come. And they were picking Jesus up. And they were trying to hold some people. So when they held him, they held the towel. And the towel just, he left the towel for them. And then he ran. Another guy tried to hold him, but he was so sleepy, so he couldn't hold him. He just ran away with everything on like that. He ran away to, the, to another place, just so that he can escape. So the first group of people who took it were not born again. Okay? So Jesus said something when he was giving it. He said, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, drink, Ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. How is it? It says, this is the blood of the New Testament. By this cup, this cup is my blood. And it is the means by which the New Testament is going to. A New Testament is a new will. A new will. Testament means will. W-I-L-L. Like someone, your dad is passing on and then he gives a will. That this is my will. Okay, the will is only enforced when the, the, the testator dies or the one who wrote the will dies. It's not enforced until the person has died. When the person dies, then it is enforced. So he came to them and said that, this is the, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which 
is shed for many for the remission of sins. It's shed for many. See many. Many. Okay, go to the next verse. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine unto the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, wow, they sang a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Hallelujah. Are you singing a hymn or you are not singing a hymn? Okay, so this is what happened when Jesus gave it. Now, fast forward many, many years later, Jesus had died and gone. The New Testament was in force. Okay, and Paul was... Had, had planted a church in a place called Corinth. And he was giving them instructions concerning... Okay, let me show you. Go to John chapter 6. So that we see what Jesus even said. Even some more concerning this particular thing. John chapter 6. Let's read from 26. John six twenty six. John six twenty six. Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Ye seek me not because of... Because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Jesus had worked the miracle. You had multiplied bread and many people had been filled. Okay, then they were looking for him all over the place. When he saw them, he said, You boy, you're not looking for me because you saw miracles, even because you saw miracles, but because you ate some food and you were full. You are here because of item 13. Then Jesus said, Labor not for the meat or for the food that perishes. This food that I gave you, it's going to become poo poo and it will come out. It perishes. He says, Labor not for the meat that perishes, but for the meats. The food which endures unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him has God see, God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we may, we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto him, This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he has sent. Next verse, verse 30. They said, that, they said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? What, what is your work? Next verse, verse 31. Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So they brought manna into the, into the thing as a sign that was given to Moses. So what sign are you also going to show to us? Then Jesus said that, listen, very, very soon to you. Moses gave you not the, that bread from heaven, but my father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. This is the bread of heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Next verse. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Then he started, they said, give us this bread every time. We like this bread because it endures to everlasting life. We eat it and we'll not get hungry again. They were thinking naturally. He was thinking spiritually. Next verse. And Jesus said unto him, I am the bread of life. Then your face started changing. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Next verse. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me, and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Continue, please. For I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but that of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which sent me, which has sent, that of all which he has given me, I should lose none. I don't want us to read too much. Verse 41. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he, he said, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Memor not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father. Blah, 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 blah. Verse 48. I am that bread of life. I'm just trying to let you know that Jesus is that bread that we partake of. So the communion that we take in church, okay, Jesus took 
unleavened bread and broke it and gave it to his disciples to eat and said that this is my body which is broken for you. And he took wine and said that this is my blood that is poured out for the remission of sins. It's the blood of the New Testament. So if it is cook or sobolo with biscuit and we say it is the body of Christ and the blood of Christ, it is. Do you understand? It is. Now, who, is, who qualifies to partake of it? Jesus in this place says, I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. Don't you want to not die? <laughs> Do you want to die? How many of you want to die? Nobody wants to die. So Jesus is saying that this bread that I'm giving you is for everybody. Everybody should eat it and be happy. He didn't give... There's no place in the Bible where it says that unless you are baptized, there's no place. There's no place in the Bible where it says unless you are baptized, you cannot partake of it. Unless what? What what else does it say? Unless you are are given the right hand of fellowship. What does that even mean? Now, that particular phrase is from Galatians chapter 2. Okay? Uh, And that has nothing to do with the communion. It has nothing to do with the communion. Paul was preaching to the Gentiles. He had never met uh, Peter, James, and John. And he met them. And he disclosed the information, information concerning what he was preaching to the Gentiles. When they heard the content of his message, they realized that he was really called to, to minister to the Gentiles. You get it? When they realized that the message was okay, then they gave him a right hand of fellowship. It means that they included him. They received him as one of them. That's what it means. But that doesn't mean that the pastor should... How, how is he going to do that? Are you going to explain which doctrine do you have to explain to the pastor for him to give you right hand of fellowship? There's nothing like that. Who gives the right hand of fellowship? Why should a man be the one to give a right hand of fellowship? We are accepted in the beloved. It's because you are born again. The born again experience brings you into acceptance with God. God is more important than any man. God is more important than any church, love economy, Methodist, Presby, Catholic included. He's bigger. And we are made members of the body of Christ, not members of a certain church. We are made members of the body of Christ. Do you understand? Uh Now, if you are made a member of the body of Christ, you have become that bread as well. Christ is the bread, isn't it? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And all these things are from God. So the day you become born again, you are made a member of the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 13. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. By one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Verse 14. For the body is not one member, but many. Go to verse 12. Go to verse 12. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body, be many are one, it, one body, so also is Christ. What he's saying is that just like human beings, you have hands, legs, and all that. He says Christ is also just like us. The body of Christ is just like us. He also has hands and all that. And we are all members of the body of Christ. And Christ said, my flesh is the bread. Isn't it? Go to verse 27. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. <laughs> I don't know if I'm helping you. Now, he are the body of Christ. Have you seen it? And members in particular. We are all the body of Christ and members in particular. So long as you are born again, you are a member of the body of Christ. And you are a member in particular. 
Ephesians chapter 5, verse 30. Look at Ephesians 5, 30. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Have you seen it? We are members, who is he's talking about Christ. He says we are members of his flesh, of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. So we are members of the body of Christ. Every child of God, and the means of becoming a member of the body of Christ is the born-again experience. Not baptism. Not confirmation. Not extending of fellowship. Nothing like that. It's a born-again experience. That's what is written in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. It says, for by one spirit that we are baptized into one body. Now go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's read from verse 16. 1 Corinthians 10, 16. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? The word communion is sharing together. Fellowship is the same word for is the, is the same word for the communion of the Holy Spirit. Koinonia. It means partnership. It means sharing together. It means fellowship. He says that the cup of blessing which we bless. You, you see, when, like, when they bring, when they bring the body of Christ and the blood here, we bless it, and then we partake of it together. He says the cup of blessing which we bless. Is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Is it not the communion, the common union, the fellowship of the body of Christ? The bread which we break. Is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Next verse. For we being many are one bread. We being many are one bread. For we are all partakers of that one bread. Who is that one bread? Christ. Jesus has said it already. He is that bread. And we are made members of the body of Christ. So that bread that you are partaking of is actually all of us. So nobody is communion. It's common union of the body of Christ. So nobody in the body of Christ should be exempted. Because if someone is exempted, it defeats the very purpose of that thing. It is time to fellowship together, spiritually, through partaking of the same bread and partaking of the same cup. So nobody should be excluded. The only, the only one who is supposed to be excluded is someone who is not born again. So if you are not born again, you can't partake of it. Because you are not part of that bread, you are not part of that blood. But if you are born again, you have to partake of it. Why? Because of what it does for you. As a child of God, the only trouble with partaking of it is partaking of it not knowing what exactly it is. If you don't know what it is and you're partaking of it, it says that you are drinking damnation to yourself. And that's what, that's what they try to normally uh, tell us, but they misinterpret it. So I want to show you in the scriptures. Can I help you? Okay, so, um, okay, go to chapter 11. First Corinthians chapter 11. Nobody should be exempted, okay? I wanted to show you, first of all, what. The, the, the bread and the blood does for every child of God. Because Jesus said it in John chapter 6. So let's read John chapter 6 first of all. Then we'll talk about how we should take it. Okay? John chapter 6. Let's read from, from verse 48 once again. John chapter 6 from verse 48. I am that bread of life. Jesus has not died. Remember. The very first time he administered his he administered communion was the very night before he died. Okay? So at this time, he had not died. He was just talking about what he will be doing or what will be happening in the future. The message he preached was too big for the people who were there. After preaching this message, everybody left him, including his disciples, because it was too hard. They themselves said it. It is too hard for a man to comprehend. How can you say we should partake of your flesh and of your blood? Are we cannibals? That's what they said. But Jesus was not actually talking about his flesh and his blood, literally. He was talking about the cup 
and the bread. This particular thing has been argued about for so long. Is the bread really the body of Christ? Is the blood really the blood of Christ? I mean, what kind of... Like, is it really... We, what we pray, right? Does the coke change to become the blood of Christ? It is still coke. But symbolically, it is the blood of Christ. Symbolically, it is the body of Christ. Do you understand? It doesn't literally change to become... I mean... Oh, you don't understand that one too. Uh, but when, you, when we pray over, over it, it becomes what we say it has become. Because we are his body and we are his flesh. Okay? I am that bread of life. Verse 49. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. Verse 50. This is that bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. So the first thing is that there's something called immortality that has been brought to life and light. He's brought immortality and light to life. Let's read 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 10. I want to show it to you. This is something that a lot of Christians don't cash in on. We don't think about it because we think that death is very powerful. But death is not very powerful. We can live forever because of Jesus' sacrifice. He says, let's read from verse 9. From verse 8, who, who has saved us? Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord of the law of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel of the gospel according to the power of God. Who has saved us? God who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before in, in Christ Jesus before the world began. Next verse. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Who has abolished death? When he appeared, the first thing he did was to abolish death. Who has abolished death and has brought to life, and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He has brought life and immortality to light. He's brought it to light. He's brought it for us to see. The reality of it, light represents reality. Light is what brings reality. Without light, we can't define anybody here. We wouldn't know who is a lady and who is a guy. You'll be touching all kinds of things. Hallelujah. Light defines. Life, light is what brings. That's why it says that that light lighted every man that cometh into the world. He says that Jesus, through his death, burial, and resurrection, he is brought to life. He says he has abolished death, first of all. I like what Hebrews chapter 2 says. He says he has tasted death for all them who through death were all their lives subject to fear. He has tasted death for everybody. He's abolished death and has brought to life. But this one we don't talk about. We, we like prosperity. We like righteousness. We like, but when it comes to life and immortality, we know about life, eternal life. But when it comes to immortality, we don't talk about it. Very few people believe it. And when those who believe it are the ones who be raptured. The rapture is not for everybody. The rapture is for those who believe it. Who believe in immortality. So they will not die. They will not taste of death. They will just jump into eternity. They will just take a step into eternity. Do you believe such things? Like, it, like Enoch was raptured. The church will be raptured. But there are people who are raptured before Enoch is raptured. Rapture takes place for people before the rapture itself. People have been raptured. Those who believe it are going. They go. You have not heard, but it's, it's happening. Go to India. People are raptured. Plenty. It doesn't happen in the land where everybody's comfortable. It happens where nobody's comfortable with Christianity. They go. Hallelujah. So Jesus has brought immortal life and immortality to life. How? Through the gospel. So we must preach it. Through the gospel. So the first thing that the communion does for you is that it gives you life. Go back to 
what we're reading in, in John chapter 6. So that communion and partaking of is not ordinary. Don't think that, oh, we are Charlie some. Charlie, ah, today, you know, you know, be cocoa. Today, today, you think so below. The thing is so below. Ah, this is bad. This church passed. So they couldn't, they couldn't get any, any proper. That's right, that thing. That's what they're saying. Ah, then do your work. So below, ah. Coke safe, we no get. You are drinking damnation to yourself because as you are taking that thing, you are thinking of Sobolo. And you are thinking of biscuits. Instead of thinking about the blood of Christ and the body of Christ and what it does for you. Next verse, verse 15. This is the bread which cometh down from it, that a man may eat thereof and not die. First thing, not die. And I asked, do you want to die? You said no. Then partake of the communion. It's in your own interest. Now, what's in the first thing? I am the living bread which came down from heaven. heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. Do you think he was joking? He was not joking. He says he shall live forever. He was not talking about something. He was talking about the reality. Living forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Next verse. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? He didn't stop. He still continued and preached. Then Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except he eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, he added his blood to it, and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. So the only means for eternal, we all have eternal life. How many of you have eternal life in you? By virtue of our new birth, we have eternal life. However, eternal life, just like the normal bios life, or animal life or plant life can do well or not do well. Wow. A plant, haven't you seen a maize that is supposed to bring forth fruit that never brings forth fruit? Yeah. Mangoes that never bring forth fruit. Why do they have that problem? Don't they have the mango life in them? They have the mango life in them, but that mango life is unable to produce fruit. That is why Jesus cursed the fig tree. Jesus never cares any man. He cares a fig tree. The fig, fig represents the works of man. When Adam sinned, he used fig leaves to cover himself. He was doing his own works. He was trying to use his own works to be presentable to God. That was why Jesus cares the fig tree when he came. To, he cares the works of man. Man cannot present himself to God on his own. Do you understand? It is only blood that can bring you. That's why he cares the fig. He didn't see fruits on it. It was a time. It was not even the time for fig to produce. And Jesus got angry and cursed it. Anyways, what are we saying? The blood of Christ, the body of Christ, is for the purpose of renewing the life of God in you. For the purpose of renewing the life of God in you. He says, if any man, except you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. You have no life in you. How do we get this life in us? The born again experience. First John chapter 5. Look at First John chapter 5. Let's read from verse 9. First John 5 verse 9. If you receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his son. He that believeth on the son of God has the witness in himself. He that believeth not God has made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Next verse, verse 12. He that has the son has life. He that has not the son of God has not life. How do you have the son of God? By believing in him and receiving him. That's the first thing that you do. But after you've believed in him and received him, the next thing you do is to partake of the communion. You must be partaking of the communion on a regular basis. That's why Jesus said that do this as often as you can. Because the more you do it, the more the life of God is refreshed in you. Hallelujah. Can the human life be not, be not at its utmost? Some wild malaria hits you and you come back. 
Have you ever experienced before? You just come back. As you're bathing, it's like someone is, some, your, your body is, it's like someone is putting pins in your body. The life, the bios life in you is affected. Same thing that life of God in us can be affected. It can be weak or it can be high. Just like electricity. We can, there's light here. The light here has to be at a certain voltage. 220 for utmost power, isn't it? But you know that it can go to 215 or even 200. Sometimes you can see it. This way, it's 222, 223, then it goes down. The light is so unstable. It can go down, 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 down to, two, to 210. Okay? Sometimes you can have low current. If you have low current, you can have light in your room. But it can't power your fridge. It can't power your microwave. Same with the life of God. You can, the life of God can be there, but it's unable to power your life. It's unable to power your spiritual life. Now you need it to be revamped. How do you need it to be revamped? You need more currents to come in. How is that going to happen? Through partaking of the communion. If you're partaking of the communion, you don't know what you're doing. You partake of it and you go back sick. You go back not fine. You go back not invigorated because you don't know that it's supposed to empower you. Jesus said it. He says, the one who partakes of my, my, my body and drinks of my blood shall live forever. He shall have life. But we have it already. So what is he talking about? More life is coming. Vigor. Life source is coming. I see what I'm talking about. John 6. Let's read verse 55. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. Don't we dwell in him? If any man be in Christ. We are in Christ, isn't it? Huh. But how come he's saying here? He says, he that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood and dwelleth in me, and I in him. He dwells in me, and I also dwell in him. Can someone leave Christ? No, we are in Christ. But your, he says, as you have received Christ, make sure you are rooted and grounded in Him. How do you become rooted and grounded in Him? One of the means of being rooted and grounded in Him is partaking of the body and of the blood. That's what makes you rooted in Christ. Okay. So what what are the problems that we could have, or what are the warnings related to partaking of the communion? That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So let's look at them and then we'll, we'll finish that side, okay? All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's read from verse uh, 16. 1 Corinthians 11 from verse 16. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But if any man seems to be contentious, Paul is laying some things down for the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church was a very, uh, could be a very terrible church sometimes, okay? They had, they're they just like any ordinary church, any other church. They had a lot of babes in there, and so there were a lot of misunderstandings, a lot of problems in that church, okay? So he's putting them in order. For instance, some of the women, there was a doctrine in Corinth and in Ephesus and in all those places where Diana was held, or Artemis was held as a goddess of the, of the world. <laughs> Diana was a goddess, okay, who was worshipped in all of Asia, okay, and she was, she was so powerful that they see that her image fell from the sky. So they made a lot of statues for themselves. Big statues. They had a big temple for Diana. And they made a lot of money out of her. Now, Diana became so powerful that they were claiming that the people of Asia claimed that man came out of woman. The first person to be made was woman. And everybody came out of that woman. Which defeats the very, the very doctrine of God. The first to be made is who? Is a man. And the woman was taken out of the man. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul defends that particular thing and says that, is the man of the woman or the woman of the man? Who is more important? The man comes before the woman. 
because of the kind of doctrine that was held there, he had to tell them his peace of mind to put them in order. So it is in Corinthians that he says that don't let the women preach. Let the men preach. It was because of what was happening, because women were very powerful, very influential in Corinth. And they were, they were trying to bring it to the house of God. So he wanted to tame them. That is why he says, don't let women, not because women are supposed to preach. Women can preach. But because of the culture of the place he was preaching to. That's why he spoke like that. That's why you don't see it everywhere. And it's seen in First Timothy because Timothy was a pastor of the church at Ephesus. In Timothy's church, there were very powerful people. Jesus' mother was there. John, the divine, was there. There were senior ministers there. And Timothy was the one pastoring them. A young boy. He was the one pastoring all of them. That is why Paul wrote to him and told him that, be strong. Don't let anybody despise your youth. You get it? So if you read 1 Timothy 2.13, 1 Timothy 2.13, you see it there. Then we'll come back to this, okay? So if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, you realize that he's talking about the divine administration of God. Hmm? For Adam was first formed. Then he, go, go up. Go to verse 10. Go to verse 10. That which become a woman professing godliness with good works. Verse 11. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. Have you seen it? <laughs> Timothy was in Ephesus. And Ephesus, if you read in Acts, I don't know why, I, I don't want to go into these things, but I'm just trying to give you a background to some of the things, okay? In, in Acts chapter 16, there was a major revolt in Ephesus because of Paul. Hail Diana, the great goddess of Ephesus. I mean, you should read it when you go. It's very interesting. Great chaos. People were punished and all that. So Paul's writing to this guy. He says, listen, the woman, let the woman learn with all subjection. Because of where you are. When he was writing to Titus, he says that the Christians are, they are slow bellies. They are foolish people. They are glutons. Instruct them with all hardness. Even one of their prophets have even said it about them. That they are liars. Can you imagine? So he was writing to Titus to be, Titus was in Crete. The Christians were like that. This is how they are. So, listen, don't spare them. Be very hard on them. That was what he told Titus. Yeah, and it's something that must be said to every, every pastor in various, depending on the congregation you have, you must be hard. Yeah. There are some people, there are some areas with certain cultures that are very bad. So you have to whip the culture of Christ into them by being very stern on them. Yeah. Hmm. So Paul was telling this guy, listen, the, let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. Next verse, verse 12. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor, the problem is this, nor to usurp authority over the man. Over what? The man. He, so he's not talking about general man and general woman. He's talking about marital relations. Hmm? He, he's, he, he was talking about marital relations. So there were married women who wanted to usurp authority. You understand usurp authority? They wanted to control their husbands. Be the ones, the husband should be the one cooking. It was general in Ephesus. Women were powerful. But they were bringing it to the church. He said, no, it's not supposed to be like that. Why else says it? What does he say? And a woman I do not suffer to teach, nor to rule a husband, but to be in quietness. So we are talking about husband, not church. You understand? So he goes down and then explains it with the relationship between Adam and Eve, who were husband and wife. But I suffer not a woman to serve authority. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. I see it. Uh-huh. So just to let the women know that, listen, you need to 
be under your husband and be happy. So if you go to 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. Go to 1 Corinthians 11, 2 and 3. 1 Corinthians 11, 2 and 3. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances. Say ordinances. Culture, the things that I passed over unto you. The ordinances as I delivered them to you. Verse 3. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. Every man where? In the church. Not every man outside. Because it's not true for every man outside. It's talking about the church. Every man is Christ. And the head of the woman is the man. Have you seen it? And the head of Christ is God. So he's talking about authority. In marital relations, the authority is the man. Then the woman comes. So if you are married, you should be careful who you are putting yourself under. Because it's going to be ruling you. It's in the Bible. Genesis chapter 3. God said that the, the, the man shall rule the woman and the woman's desire shall be for her husband. And Paul was just repeating what God has said. So if you are married, you should know who you are putting your head under. If you put your head under a, 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 a wicked man, you will see. No, marriage is no joke. It's no joke. If my wife, I say my wife should not be in church, she should go somewhere. She can't be in church. Where is she going? I'm the husband. Yeah, if I say no, we are not going. If whatever decision is made, if I say no, it's finished. It's not subject to discussion. If you discuss, you have to say it nicely. Yeah. Baby, you know, this one, this one, this one, this one. Then I'll see reason. Okay, it's powerful. Let's do it. Do you understand? But because I am not a wicked husband, I will not make her life difficult. That is why she's happy. But if you're a woman, a lady, you're marrying, you're putting your head under somebody you are not sure of, don't even try. Don't try. Don't try. I've blessed, I've blessed at least 25 marriages since I became a pastor. At least 25. I know marriage. I know the problems. I know the challenges. And I know the sweetness of marriage. I've blessed at least 25. And I know the problems. So I'm telling you, if I'm telling you something about marriage, don't think that it's a joke. Paul said that those who marry shall have problems. It's never those who marry shall have problems. Stress. 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 Pressure. So already before you marry, it says, it's a prophecy, those who marry will have already have problems. So if you are marrying somebody who is not correct, then you should know what will be happening in your, in your life. That is why you shouldn't just be opening your life and opening yourself to some people, okay? Alright, so let's go to First Corinthians chapter 11 once again. So he, he's straightening things up. First Corinthians 11, uh, verse 16, he says, But if any man seems to be contentious, as he had, when, after he talked, he spoke, he said, If any man seems to be contentious or to be argumentative or someone who likes fighting, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God, we have no such custom of the woman usurping authority over the man in the house. We, have, we don't have such custom. Next verse. Now, in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. When you guys come together, you don't come together for the better, but for the worse. Why? For first of all, he was, he was going to complain about several things. The first thing is that when you come together in the church, I hear he was not there when it happened. He says, I hear that. So it's good for the pastor to hear information from the congregation. Do you understand? Don't think the pastor will know everything by, uh, by spiritual os- osmosis. There's nothing like that. <laughs> No, 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 no. The pastor must know something. If you're offended about something, let the pastor know. Pastor, I'm offended. Someone offended me. Then we'll sit there and talk about it. Not all of a sudden, we are fine. Everything is nice. You are smiling. Before we realize, you are out of the church. Why are you out? 
someone did something to me and uh, yeah, yeah. Right now it's too late. We can't do much about it. First, I'm not coming again. I'm offended. It's your fault. You didn't pass information to us. You must talk. Tell anybody you must talk. I mean, let us be open. You are so secretive. You are pregnant right now, but we don't know. You want us to find out by some spiritual prophetic means. What are you talking about? You are the one who have a problem. We don't know. There's a boy who's doing things. But we, we don't know. We are preaching hard. But you are sitting there, you are like, Pastor, you don't know me. <laughs> Pastor, you don't know. <laughs> so you must pass information. Let's continue. I hear that there be divisions. First of all, there are divisions among you. Sex. Beautiful ladies' company. Do not miss incorporated. All those who are fair are in one group. All those who are in university are in one group. All those who are bankers are in one group. There are divisions among you. And partly, I say partly, I believe it. Because when I came, I saw some things. I believe what they are saying. <laughs> Let's go on. <laughs> For there must be also heresies among you. If there are divisions, then certainly there will be heresies. Do you know heresies? No, heresies is not here to, here to see. That's not what I'm saying. Heresies are damnable teachings. Teachings that are not of God. Heresies. Things that are not supposed to be said among you. That they which are approved may be made manifest among you. Verse 20. When you come together, this is another problem I'm supposed to see. When you come together, therefore, into one place. This is not to eat the Lord's Supper. You know, when you come, when you come together and you, you are coming, you are actually not coming to eat the Lord's Supper. Even though you are supposed to be coming to eat the Lord's Supper. You don't come to come in the Lord's Supper. Look at what you do. For in eating, everyone taken before other his own supper. And one is hungry and another is drinking. When they are coming to church, someone has eaten plenty. Someone is drunk, is boozed, and has come to church. Or someone comes, when he sees a wine and a bread in the church, he takes the wine and drinks all the wine. That is meant for the whole congregation. He will drink everything. Message. Let's read the message. You bring in a lot of food from the outside and make pigs of yourselves. Some are left out and go home hungry. Others have to be carried out, too drunk to walk. I can't believe it. <laughs> I can't, this was their communion. This is how they were partaking of their communion. I can't believe it. I'm shocked. Some will come and eat everything. I don't want to go home hungry. The other one, because their community was bigger than what we, it wasn't small. That's why it has reduced in size with time. <laughs> the community has reduced in size with time because of these things. <laughs> Verse 22. <laughs> Verse 22. Don't you have your own homes to eat and drink in? Why would you stoop to desecrate God's church? Why would you actually shame God's poor? I never would have believed you would stoop to this. I am not going to stand by and say nothing. I will say something. Then he started talking about the dangers of doing what they were doing. He needed to say things that would make them afraid. Because that was the reality. So he started. Next verse. Let me go over with you again. Exactly what goes on in the Lost Supper. And why it is so centrally important. You see, they understood that the Lost Supper was so common for them that they started abusing it. Be, they became familiar with it because it, there was that knowledge of somewhere excluded was not there. Everybody was included to the employer and someone can just come and come and take all the wine. He would drink about seven cups 
and belch all over. And then move around. As he's going, he came home, he came to church walking this way. As he's going home, they are crying him this way. I received my instructions from the master himself and passed them on to you. The master Jesus on the night of his betrayal took bread. It was the night of his betrayal. You must do this in remembrance of him. Remember, this is what he did to save you. Why would you lose at such a sacred event? Why would you do that? Next verse. Having given thanks, he broke it and said, so it was organized. Everybody was seated. They were, they, were, they were eating. Then he took bread and broke it. This is my body broken for you. Do this to remember me. Do this to remember, to remember me for what? Remember my sufferings. Remember my sacrifice. Remember what I did for you. So it should be a somber type of activity. Not as after partaking of it. Ah, this is a visible Ah, Charlie, this is very check like it dropped three days old. <laughs> after supper. Jesus, after supper, it wasn't something to, be, to make them full. It was after supper. They had eaten and they were full. After the supper, he took bread. He did the same thing with the cup. This cup is my blood, my new covenant with you. Each time you drink this cup, remember me. He said it twice. Do this in remembrance of me, twice. What you must solemnly realize is that, solemnly realize is that every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup, you reenact in your words and actions, you reenact in your words and in your actions the death of the master. You will be drawn back to it, to this meal again and again until the master returns. You do it again and again until the master returns. You must never let familiarity breed contempt. That's a problem. Don't let familiarity, don't become too familiar with the communion, basically. That is the only clause of partaking the communion. Don't take it with familiarity, seeing all kinds of things in your heart and in your mind. Recognize it as the body of Christ, really, and as the blood of Christ, really. That's basically what I'm saying. Then he shows you what the problems you, you get. He says, anyone who drinks the cup of the master, irreverently, say irreverently. irreverently. Say it again, irreverently. irreverently. Do you understand reverence? What does reverence mean? To give respect, to venerate, to consider sacred. It's a sacred thing. Remember what it is. You are remembering the master's death. You are reenacting by word and by deed the master's death. Just remember when Jesus was on the way to the, to, to the mountain of Calvary, carrying his cross, and he couldn't bear it. After they had lashed him and torn his back, the whole of his back was off. And women with their unbrushed teeth came to come and spit on him. He had not done anything. Early morning spit, he just spat on him. Remember, Jesus was not crucified with boxer shorts. Like we see. He was not crucified with boxer shorts. There was nothing down there. Everything was on. Jesus, our Lord, was crucified naked. He did all that for you. He, be, he was put to shame so that you would not be put to shame in your life. That is why no matter how evil, what evil you commit and do, you will never be put. Have you realized that you can do something foolish and you are not put to shame? Sometimes you are devising a lie because of something wrong that you did. As you are walking home, you are devising the lie. When they ask me, I'll say this and I'll say that. And I'll use this window when they tell me this and I'll say this. Have you ever done that before? But when you get there, no question is asked. And all your plans come to naught. To not. Uh, Jesus was put to shame so that you will not be put to shame on that day. 
Remember all those things. Remember his sufferings. Remember how that they drove nails through his hands just for you. Remember how all his best friends left him. Jesus' friends left him. His best friend denied him three times. Insulting. While I was doing it. Uh, do you know me? I don't know this guy. I've never, Jesus was looking at him and said, this guy, I've never seen him before in my life. My Allah, I swear. I've never seen him. He swore. He swore by his father's canton at Paul. I have not seen this guy before. I've never seen this guy before. I've been missing, I've been busted, but I don't know this guy. <laughs> Remember how his friends left him, betrayed with a kiss. Jesus had all those problems so that you will have friends who will love you to the end of your days. Why would you partake of it as though it is nothing? Remember him. He says, anyone who eats the bread or drinks the cup of the master irreverently like is like part of the crowd that jeered and spit on him at his death. He says, you are like the crowd that jeered at him and spat on him at his death. Is that the kind of remembrance you want to be part of? Emphatically not. Next verse. Examine your motives. Test your heart. Come to this meal in holy awe. That's how you should partake of the communion. In holy awe. If you give no thoughts or worse, don't care. That's the problem. Give no thoughts or you don't care about the broken body of the master when you eat and drink. You are running a risk of serious consequences. So he shows you the consequences. What's, when, when does the consequences come? When you do it without irreverence without holy awe, okay, without considering the master, says, you don't have any thoughts concerning it. It That's why so many of you, even now, are listless and sick. And others have gone to an early grave. Because what's supposed to bring you life will bring you death. They've gone to an early grave. All because they don't consider it. It's nothing. It's called the miracle meal. It's supposed to heal you. You partake of it, you are refreshed, both spiritually and physically. So there are times I've come to church with pain in my body and I'm looking for communion to partake of. As I'm coming to the table, I'm coming with my healing in mind. Yeah, there are, there are certain infections I cannot have. It can't work in me. First of all, because of John chapter 1, verse 12. Okay, he came unto his own from verse 11. He says, he came unto his own, but, as, but his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God. Then he says, children who are not born of blood. I'm not born of blood. See, I'm not born of blood. So there's no blood infection that can affect me because I am not born of blood. My human life is not sustained by my blood any longer because I'm a child of God. So, hepatitis B can't affect me because it's blood. Hepatitis, QRST can't, HIV can't, what else? Any parasites, I mean all those ones function, through the viruses and all that, they function through the blood. Cancer and all that, I can't have cancer of the bone or cancer of the teeth or cancer of the mouth or cancer of the bottom or cancer of whatever. I can't have it because I am born, I'm born of God, not of blood. It says, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. It says, ye of God, little children, overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's the first part. The other part is that I partake of the communion. I partake of the communion. The communion cures every disease in the flesh. I will not go to an early grave. I will not die like a chicken. You know what it means to die like a chicken? You are just moving and then you just die. Someone died in his bathroom. 
he got out of the bathroom and slipped. Boom, that was it, he was dead. Chicken type of dying. I refuse that for my life in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Yeah. You see, some of, the, some of you are going to an early grave. Go back to that place in First Corinthians. Is it clear for you? So there's no place. There's no place. Unfortunately, those who have gone ahead of us have said it in, I don't know why they did that. The only way to be closer to the master, he says, if you don't partake of me, of it here, you will not partake of it in heaven. You better start partaking of it. Examine your motives. You, want, you don't come because you are righteous. Do you understand? Do you even understand righteousness? Righteousness has to do with Christ and what he has done. We are righteous because he is righteous. Our righteousness is a person. Do you see? Our righteousness is a person. So, and the opposite of righteousness is sin. So no matter what you do outwardly, there are fruits of sin. The tree of sin is no more inside you. You now have the tree of righteousness inside. You are producing fruits of, of sin because you are not conscious of your righteousness. You are conscious of your, the fact that you are a sinner. You think you are a sinner. That is why you keep producing sin. But if you think that you are a righteous person, you will start producing righteousness. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And others have gone to an early. So don't, don't let something prevent. The only way to stop doing the foolishness is by partaking of the communion. It will help you. It will give you the life of God. Your life, the life of God is not is unable to power some things in your life. Eh? When it's time to smoke, the you are unable to stop. Even though you're a child of God, you realize that your fingers are just holding anything like that. Before you realize in your mouth, before you realize you've put the fire on, before you realize, oh, she tomorrow, 15. You have taken like 15 puffs already. <laughs> then when you finish, you realize that, hey, what have I done? The life of God could not power you along that line. How are you going to be powered along that line? Communion. Communion. You need to take communion so that you receive energy to power you. So the next time the wind's coming like that, you say, hey, what is this? Take it back. Now, get out. Now, in Jesus' name. And you continue in righteousness and in power. Hallelujah. That is why we serve it like that. Don't run away from it. It's good for you. It's good for your health. Maybe you, know, you, don't, you didn't understand it. This is what you need to understand. Okay? In Jesus' name. Have I helped you in any way? Yeah. All right. There's space for one more question. Okay. In relation to the tithes. Um, the tithes, yeah. Yeah. You were stressing on uh, monthly income. Monthly income. And um, I want to ask if should someone give you money or you acquire, uh, you acquire money, some amount of money, are you supposed to give tithes out of it? Or? Any amount that comes to your hand. It's not... Most of us don't have monthly pay. Most of us have... Uh, sporadic pay. It comes as and when. Okay? It comes as and when. So whatever comes to your hand is come from God to you. Give him a tenth. So whatever it is, just give. Whether it's weekly or daily or monthly or yearly or whatever it is, just give your five. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you for listening. Keep listening to the word as Christ is made the center of your world. For prayer and counseling, call 024-563-8314 or send an email to info at christworldinc.com. God bless you.